it didn't listen to me. It walked out of the thicket, it turned around and looked at me. They looked up and in this tree, there was a monkey man. And the monkey man jumped down out of the tree and started running away. And suddenly they're right in front of the car. He slams on the brakes and manages to stop. And he's skidding because it's not quite, you know, um, gravelling. And for literally for about a second and a half, they just stood there because they don't know where to go. And you tell them panicking, they're like ripping up thing. Their, their, their face is like twitching. to Bigfoot Society, a podcast where we focus on cryptids, the strange, and the unexplained of this world. If you've got a story or something weird to share, send an email over to me at bigfootsociety at gmail.com. And if you'd like to support this show, head on over to patreon.com forward slash the Bigfoot Society. And now, on with the show. Hello, hello, hello. All right, we've got... Open phone lines, episode three, coming at you. Uh, we'll just talk a little bit at the beginning about uh, what open phone lines is. This is kind of like Bigfoot Society podcast, but live. And I'm going to be doing these Sunday night, Tuesday night, Thursday night at uh, 9 p.m., to 10 p.m. Central Standard Time. We got people hanging out in here already. Of course, we got good old Mike Casey uh, excited. And we got Alan here. What's going on, man? Good good to see you. But if you've got a story to share, if you've got uh, someone that you think should call in, uh, go ahead. You can see the number scrolling at the bottom of the screen right here. Share your story live. Call 515-809-0165. This is recorded for the podcast, so be aware that when you call, you are going to be live on YouTube, and then you'll be up on the podcast uh, a few days after that. But <clears throat> we've had some uh, some good episodes so far, no doubt. We've had uh, the first episode, we had Michael Freeman on. That was awesome. That was really unexpected. And then the second uh, episode, we had a few really good conversations. Uh, we had uh, the really interesting conversation was Jonathan from Eastern Tennessee calling in to talk about uh, folklore stories from his family history. We talked about banshees. We talked about... Uh, almost like a Bigfoot type creature uh, that they'd seen over the years. His his relatives and ancestors had seen it. It's just very interesting. But if you've got uh, stories that you, you feel like you want to share, some cryptid stories, some weird stories, uh, definitely call 515-809-0165. Uh, we're going to be going from 9 to 10 p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, Mike Casey says, headed out in a few minutes to go do a night drive in the blues. Oh, man, that sounds like it could get wild, Mike. I hope you've got some way to uh, to get video as you're driving. Uh, man, wouldn't that be crazy if a Squatch 
went across your headlights as you're driving through the blues. That would be wild stuff. <clears throat> uh, there was some news that uh, some interesting, an interesting tweet that came out this morning from Lauren Coleman. Of course, we know Lauren Coleman with the International Cryptozoology Museum. Uh, he, it sounds like they're needing to move their museum facility uh, and he's got a call out. So it, literally, if you're listening to this and you are a millionaire, uh, he's got a place in mind. Sounds like you can read this all in in the tw tweet that he put out on Twitter. Um, they're trying to move the museum they, and uh, they're trying to also save an old building in Bangor, Maine, at the same time, I believe, which is it's pretty cool. but. Bottom line is he needs some, he needs support. And um, so if you know a guy or anyone who's got a few extra million dollars hanging around, excuse me, now is the time for them to contact Lauren Coleman. So if you just happen to know, like, um, uh, let's say like Bob Bigelow, Brandon Fugel, uh, any Tom Slick type guys, you know, Tom Slick back in the day. If you know these guys, you know, call them up and be like, hey, you got an extra million or two, uh, help out Lauren Coleman with the Cryptozoology Museum because we got to get this, uh, we got to get this guy going. So let's see if we can get some calls going on. If you know anyone that should be calling in, uh, with a story or anything uh, cool to share, 515-809-0165. Uh, let your friends know. If you know someone who hasn't called in yet, now is the time that uh, you should have them call in and you should have them share something. Uh, it can be Bigfoot. It can be Dogman. It can be weird stuff you encountered in the woods. Uh, it can be just stuff that doesn't make sense whatever it is i want to hear it <clears throat> let me point out that hey i'm wearing the amazing squacho man shirt designed by jonathan dodd uh if you like macho man randy savage and you like bigfoot then you will probably love the squacho man t-shirt you can get those over at the bigfoot society etsy pick up a shirt represent the podcast because when you start to wear bigfoot shirts or get bigfoot stickers and put them on your car or whatever people start to come up to you and tell you their bigfoot stories it's just a proven fact you know it's how it works uh i'm not going to name names but i know for a fact there are people that they wear bigfoot stuff on their hat or their shirt and they get the bigfoot stories just like in a flash of beauty the guy who's a plumber and uh you know they see uh his bigfoot sticker on his truck or something like that he's had a binder full of stories so go to bigfoot society etsy pick yourself up a t-shirt start getting the bigfoot stories it's it's how it works all right do you have a story that you would like to share Now's the time to call in. You can call in 515-809-0165. This is live. Uh, be recorded for the podcast as well. If you happen to know 
uh, someone who has a story and they haven't called in yet, go ahead, send them a message right now. Hop on over to Instagram, hop on over to Twitter, and let them know it is time to call into the Bigfoot Society podcast. Who will be our first caller today? I don't know. In fact, I'm going to go over to Twitter real quick. Call in live right now and share your story. 515-809-0165. Tweet sent. Dude, Alan. Okay, Alan is the cool dude. Alan is in the Patreon, of course. Uh, he says, I got your stickers on my Yetis. Dude, you're the man. Like Alan is representing, he's, he's so hardcore that he sent me a message the other day. Alan was like, dude, I need some business cards. And I was like, what are you going to do with business cards? He's like, I'm going to pass them out to some people to get you some like Bigfoot info, uh, get some more people listening to podcasts. And I was like, dude, you're the man. I really appreciate Alan doing that. So of course I sent some business cards down there and, um, yeah, made it happen. Speaking of making it happen and making it happen, if you've got any stories you want to share about Bigfoot, about stuff you saw in the woods, stuff you experienced as, you know, weird stuff that you, maybe a story that your grandparents told you when you were a little kid, call the number 515-809-0165. If you've got a friend or an acquaintance that you know should uh, should call in, um, Send him a message right now and let him know that now is the time to call into Bigfoot Society, share your weird story. We've had some good episodes so far. We are on episode number three. Who knows what will be coming up next? I did give, I, I sent a message to Lauren. I was like, hey, Lauren, if you want to call in, uh, you can always do so. He's like, eh, probably won't happen, but fingers crossed. You never know, right? He could be watching right now. Wink, wink. Let's see what else. What else is going on? Uh, I know that there is a very big uh, convention in West Virginia this weekend. Uh, I know Hellbent Holler was there. The wild and weird West Virginia guys. Uh, some really good uh, conversations that went on down there. Uh, Alan says, "Thank you so much for doing this." Hey, thanks for being here, man. Um, if you've got any stories to share about uh, Bigfoot or Dogman or any anything weird, give the number a call, 515-809-0165. Um, if you have any, any friends that know stories as well that they would like to share, that number is 515-809-0165. Alan, you went to a Bigfoot festival in South Carolina yesterday. That's cool, dude. What was the name of the festival? You're always check. You're into the Bigfoot stuff down there, and I super appreciate that, dude. So definitely let me know which Bigfoot festival you went to. That would be cool. As for me, I will be maybe my phone is on. Is it on silent? I don't know. Nope, we're good. So if you have a <laughs> if you have a story to share on the live call-in show, it's 515-809-0165. It's 
five. Take a few minutes to remind people about a few things I've got coming up uh, next Saturday at 930. Of course, we know this week is special because October 20th is uh, the 55th anniversary of the Patterson Gimlin film. But uh, me and well, Tate Hieronymus uh, contacted me, said, hey, I want to put together a, uh, a ton of cool presentations about uh the Bluff Creek, you know, uh, Patterson Kimlin sighting back in the day in 67. Would you be interested in hosting this on your channel? I was like, absolutely. I've got the venue to do it over the internet. Let's do it. So Tate has assembled a whole bunch of awesome characters uh, in to present uh, different things about Patty, the Patterson Kimlin film. We've got people like... Um, Alex Petikoff, we've got Doug Hycheck, we've got Tate will be presenting along with Jonathan Easley from Western Bigfoot Exploration on YouTube. Uh, we've got Jesus Payon uh, from Breaking Bigfoot and also Breaking Bad, if you remember that show as well. Uh, and Damon Irons, uh, who's very knowledgeable about the area as well, the film site area. So it's going to be a great, uh, there's going to be video shared, there's going to be photos. Each presentation is going to be about 25 minutes long, but uh, that'll be going from 9.30 p.m. Central Standard Time all the way up to 12.30. Uh, so it is going to be a packed night. Make sure you don't miss out on that next Saturday. Uh, for uh, we got, I'll go over a mini release schedule uh, coming up. If you are uh, into Bigfoot Society, uh, this week we've got three episodes coming your way, and you're going to get a sneak peek right now. For those that are in the uh, watching this live, you'll you'll know what's going down. So, <clears throat> releasing tomorrow, I have a interview with. Bitsquatch about the coming, actually it's here, AI photography and how it's affecting cryptozoology. And it's a very, very interesting interview. You're going to find it super enlightening. And uh, yeah, how do, how do we handle that? How do we know if the photos are AI or not? These are things we're going to talk about in this interview that's going to release tomorrow. So make sure you're following the Bigfoot Society podcast and not to miss it on your preferred podcast platform. Then on Wednesday, I'm going to be releasing an interview with Bryce Johnson. And we're going to be talking all about the uh, how it's almost been 10 years since the horror film, Bigfoot horror film, Willow Creek. And uh, it's an awesome interview about behind the scenes things from when he was filming that with Bobcat Goldthwait. And uh, we're talking about the upcoming season of Expedition Bigfoot. And also uh, things get a little, they get super deep uh, when uh, I ask Bryce what he thinks Bigfoot is. So you're not going to want to miss that interview on Wednesday to see what Bryce thinks about that. And also UAPs and UFOs. It gets pretty deep guys. Um, on Friday, I'll be releasing an episode, and I'm I'm pretty much I'm I'm telling all the secrets, guys. But here we go. If you're here, you're gonna you're gonna find out. So, I've done I did do an episode with M.K. Davis. 
last week, and that will be released on Friday. as very, very interesting interview all about the Patterson-Gimlin film site, all about analyzing the Patterson-Gimlin film, what he was able to find, uh, how we can analyze film ourselves. It just was a super interesting conversation uh, with MK Davis that'll be releasing on Friday. We've got AK Luke in the chat. Hope everyone's doing well. Cheers. Thank you so much for hanging out. Uh, Again, if you've got a story to share about Bigfoot or any other cryptids or anything weird that's happened to you, um, now is the time to call. You can call 515-809-0165. If you've got a friend or acquaintance where they should be calling in, but they don't know about this, please send them a message real quick. Send them a text. Say, hey, Bigfoot Society is live. Uh, Why don't you give 515-809-0165 a call? and and share your story. Alan has a question. He says, hey, when are you going to go back out to do some researching? That's a really good question, Alan. I honestly do not have anything planned right now, but it can always happen. Uh, the cool thing is that, you know, I have been talking to people like Chris Spencer behind the scenes. He's walked me through how to do, uh, how to set up long duration field recorders um but the thing is you have to make sure that you are able to legally put the recorder in the place where you want to go and i can't say too much about where tate and i were at but i can say as of right now i don't know if i have the legal ability to be able to just leave a recorder there. So I definitely need to do some more research before I do that. Uh, th- the great thing about the area that Tate and I were at, it is open and accessible. And there are things going on there all the time. The cool thing is that, you know, if people have listened to the episode about how I found out about the Iowa Bigfoot Information Center in the 1970s. You may have noticed, wow, I just gave something away big time. Holy mackerel. Um, I got to shut my mouth. So sorry. Can't say what I was going to say, but I can. Oh, man, I can't say anything. I I can just say that. how about I, I can say this judging. Oh, man. Historical records in the past show. Uh, the area we were at is not just active at one point in history. It was active in other places. Uh, it was active in other uh, time parts of history in Iowa. That's all I can say. Uh, I really just got to stop talking about that because I almost gave something really. uh, Tate would not have been happy, but hey, I caught myself. So there you go, bud. Hey, uh, if you've got a story to share about Bigfoot or any other cryptids or anything weird or just anything weird that happened to you, call 515-809-0165. We'll also do a prompt right now. And here's the prompt for tonight. Uh, If you were able to set up a Bigfoot expedition, you pick three people to go with you. 
anyone, who would you pick? If you want to answer that question, what three people would you bring on your Bigfoot expedition? Uh, call 515-809-0165. We can talk about it. You can share your story if you want. Uh, again, you can call 515-809-0165. Uh, if you have a friend or or someone you know that should be calling in to share their story. Um, in fact, uh, man, 515-809-0165. Let, let them know that it's time to call in. You can share your story. Um, and uh, let's see, what else? What else do I got going on? So I will tell you, I'm pretty excited because we are about a month out from CryptidCon uh, this fall. It's very cool. Uh, this will be the biggest uh, cryptozoology event I've gone to. I won't be vending, but I will be there. Uh, just kind of experiencing it for myself. Uh, let's see. So if you do see me at the CryptidCon, say hi, please. Alan says, I'd bring Mike Casey and Clint Miller and you. Clint Clint Miller, that's a name. I want to say this is the Clint people. Multiple people have brought this name up to me. I need to talk to Clint because I know Alan has brought up his name to me, but multiple other people have too in different, you know, on Instagram, things like that. So uh, I need to talk to Clint. Bigfoot, Bigfooty with Mike Casey. He says, yes, that's the Clint. Randy, all right, here we go. We got Randy Harrington. Hello from Kansas. How's it going? Uh, Mike Casey says, okay, Clint is a North Carolina boy. There, there you go. I've talked to, man, I just talked to Daniel Thorndike, another North Carolina boy. Uh, he, another a North Carolina dude from Blue Room Insight Podcast. That's a really good interview uh, we'll be talking about. He's sharing five different strange things about North Carolina. And there's cryptid stuff. There's ghosts. Um, there's the Brown Mountain Lights. You're going to love that episode. It's a really good one. Uh, it's coming out. Um, well, let me look at my schedule. I have it for November 9th, so we'll see if it gets bumped up before then. But uh, yeah, coming down the pipeline, November 9th, uh, Daniel Thorndike from Blue Room Insight Podcast. You should definitely check out his podcast. Worth a listen uh, if you're into uh, not just cryptids, but you're into other stuff. Sasquatch Out of the Shadows is in the chat. What is up? Guys, if you've got something to share some cool story some bigfoot related thing now is the time to call in 515-809-0165 uh you can go ahead and hey if you know someone that should be calling in and they haven't called in yet send them a message right now say hey bud uh call 515-809-0165 and talk to jeremiah about your story let me check my phone just to make sure. Phone, is anyone in there? Not right now. Okay. Uh, here we go. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, yeah, Mike, you got us talking. Alan says, Alex uh, Sasquatch out of the shadow says, hey, eight people watching and only four likes. Everyone smash that like button. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. 
Let's see. Uh, Jeremiah, have you seen the Bigfoot documentary Into the 400? I haven't, Mike. Is that a pretty good one? Tell me more about that. Um, I'm I'm definitely into documentaries. You know, I'm halfway through uh, Flash of Beauty right now. I had a good time talking to Tobe Johnson about that. Uh, that interview will be releasing on the 28th of October. Um, but uh, that was a very interesting uh, discussion about... Uh-oh. Here we go. Call from... Aristocrat sighting. To accept, press 1 to send a voicemail. Oh, my two. goodness. Okay, here we go. Hello, caller. You're on the air. Hey, buddy, this is Randy from Kansas. Hello, sir. How's it going, Randy? I just want to say real quick to make sure you know that um, uh, these this is live and the call is recorded uh, for the podcast as well. Are you cool with that? Sure. I don't have a problem with that. Perfect. How's it going? Uh, good. I was actually prompted by Mike Casey. He, he sent me a message uh, a guy. earlier and, and I actually logged in to listen to you for a while and he and I were chatting back and forth and uh, I sent him some audio that we had just captured at a, at a place that we call the 400 and we call it the 400 it's in southern Missouri uh, because it's a private 400 acres okay. and we've been going there for five years when we first started initially going there I was joined I joined a gentleman that had already been researching the property named Shane Carpenter and he is a hell of a tracker and his technique for interacting with the creatures that are there is he will go in and set up a, a hiking pattern where he'll go in in the early morning and he'll hike the same path every time he goes in there and he'll sit on the same log. He'll, he'll stop at every stop that he stops at. And these things, when they started following him around on this property, his pattern was predictable. So then they would move ahead of him because they would know where he was going to sit and they would get their positions and they would find themselves in their positions uh, ahead of him and he, he was getting to where he could spot them. And it uh, typically was the two, there's two juveniles in this family group. And it was those two juveniles that was, that was exhibiting the most activity, you know, the risk takers, the curious, uh, all of those things, as, as you would expect for the, for the age. Uh, but being the tracker that uh, Shane Carpenter is, uh, there are there are other uh, family members on this property. Uh, there's there's a male with 16 inch tracks. There's a female with 12 inch tracks. And then at the beginning of this process, the two juveniles had like six and a half and seven and a half, or seven and a half and eight and a half inch tracks. Uh, so I've been going with him. He was in, he invited me like a year after that process started, uh, when he and I met and, and I've got thermal cameras and, and audio, audio tech and stuff like that. So we've been going there constantly. It has been the most amazing thing, the pinnacle of all the Bigfoot research that I have ever been involved in. And I had a wow. close encounter in 2006. Really? So that's, that's why I've been involved with this, but I've got to tell you, this property has keeps giving and giving. We've got tracks of these juveniles over a four year period that is showing growth that we're getting the same tracks each year, bigger and bigger and bigger of the same uh, individuals. And we've got John Morley involved from Texas. He's a biologist who is very serious about the juvenile footprints that, that we've been able to obtain over this stretch of time. 
Unfortunately, the two juveniles that we initially started messing with have aged out of the family group. Mm. We just, but we just found a six inch track while we were out there and a, I believe it's a, a nine inch track, something to that effect. So, so we are now dealing with two new juveniles that obviously, uh, there were some behaviors a few years back where uh, we surmised that the female was holding a youngster. We didn't know it, but we just thought because of her activities that she might be holding. And now we found a six inch track. So indeed, that would be about the time that she did have one on her hip. So it, it's, and what happened was uh, Shane, uh, I, I catch him on thermal thermal video. And we had a biologist with us at the time. His name was Dan Nedrelo, mm-hmm. Michigan or Wisconsin. He drove down there. The night he drove down there, it's like 2 a.m. And we go out into this field where, where we've caught him multiple times. And I had my thermal camera. And I'm looking over across this field where there's a lot of scrub brush and trees and, and things like that. But deep, uh, you know, chest deep, waist deep grass. And there's this head popping up about, I don't know, 70, 80, 90 feet away from us as we're going down this trail and I see this head popping up out of the grass. And I said, there's one right there. Wow. And it, and it, and it drops and, and keeps popping back up. And this was the first time that we, uh, we did this, but because we had the biologist with us, we went ahead and pushed the envelope a little bit. And Shane says, I'm going out there. And he started walking out there and I, he didn't have a thermal, but I did. And me and the biologist were sitting there watching the thermal and I was directing him where this juvenile was when it had dropped down. You could still see its heat signature, but you just, because he was staying there. But it, So we walked him out there and he shined his light. And, and you can see the behavior as I was recording on my thermal camera of this thing popping his head up and looking at him coming in its direction. And then you could see it was very nervous and it was dropping back down and didn't quite know what to do. Mm. Uh, but it was kind of caught because, because if it would have ran, then you'd see it. So I, I think that they are so used to us not seeing them and they can get very close to us that you can walk right on by them. I, I truly believe that it thought that even though Shane was heading in this direction and it was acting nervous and kept dropping back down, that their history would show that we would probably walk by them and not notice them, you know, if, if it was hidden. There, that's, that's a happened. lot. Holy mackerel. Wow. Now, it gets better. It gets better. Okay. Shane, we directed him out there and he got about eight feet away. And our plan was to get close to one. Shane is supposed to sit down. Mm -hmm. We're trying to acclimate ourselves to this family unit and the young ones, they keep coming around, they keep coming around. So our plan was for Shane to sit down with his back to it within eight feet. But Shane couldn't, and I didn't know until Shane got back that he just told me like, he could not make his butt touch the ground because it leaves him vulnerable to where he can't escape if he needed to. Mm. So, so he so he squatted down, turned his flashlight on, and shined the, the face of this little juvenile. And and he he stood up and was trying to look at his body because it was laying prone in the grass. Uh, and Shane tried to step over to look at the body, and it started. We don't know if it was clicking its teeth, but the sound was the sound that came from it sounded like its teeth were clicking, like a like a like a clap, like a just I don't know a nervous clicking really? of its teeth. And the moment and the moment that happened, 
a rock came flying out of the wood line, which is another maybe 60 feet behind it. And the rock landed right by Shane's foot. Oh my goodness. Now, now, so, so Shane backed out the next day we go in there with the biologist and we go to that part of the field and we're we're trying to do it. We do, we do investigations after the fact and we'll put a person in the same spot, thermal video to get size reference and all that type of stuff. And so we found the body imprint in the grass where the little one was laying and it was about a five and a half foot or one of the juveniles. Okay. And where the rock came from, we went back into that wood line and the 12 inch tracks were in there. So it was the mother. No way. Now here's where we go to where we just purely speculate. I told Shane back then, this was three years ago. I said, that, that mother's holding the baby. And he said, why do you say that? I said, because she could have shook a tree. She could have screamed at you. The moment you got to where you were stepping over to look at that little one's body that was nervously clicking its teeth, that's when she threw the rock. Hmm. I said, she threw the rock and, and never gave away her location. And you, that's probably unheard of when you get that close to one of their juveniles. And I said, she's holding one. She's holding a youngster that she didn't want us to know where she was. And so that, at that point, it was just us speculating on that behavior. And now you, we were there two weeks ago, found some six-inch tracks, and that would be about the right time frame where if she was holding one on her hip, it is now on the ground with six-inch tracks. That is, that's amazing. Holy, holy mackerel. And you said this is in Missouri? Yes, we, we made our own documentary from our first trip out there called Into the 400. Okay. Uh, and it's on and it's on Amazon Prime. It's very amateur. We did it with GoPro cameras and handheld cameras. It, we we didn't know that how difficult it is to do a documentary. Sure, a lot of foot tasks. We, we we did we did catch them on thermal. We've got certain behaviors that you can catch these things on thermal where they pop their heads up out of the, out of the creeks or out of the deep grass and they'll drop their heads really slow. They move extremely slow when you're facing them. Uh, so because they they understand that motion. Apparently, they understand that motion is detectable. So, so they move in a way that you don't see them moving. It's very slow movement until they're gone. Uh, that happens when we're facing them. But I've got a thermal camera that I have modified so that I've got the camera on top of my uh, six or seven foot walking stick. Okay. And the monitor is hanging at my chest. So I can actually watch behind me. We can walk down the trail and I can see what's happening behind me. And I can just watch the monitor at my chest. And that's when we're catching them the most when our back is to them. And we've done experiments where we're facing one mm. and it freezes and, and moves a certain way. And then we'll turn our back to it. And then it's like they move freely when they, when they see that your back is turned. That's wild. Wow. So it's been fascinating. Uh, we just recently captured our first audio that in that has, it's like 45 seconds of okay. samurai chatter. It, it sounds exactly like some of the Sierra sounds. Really? That is uh, interesting. And, well, and we, and we gave a raw copy of that audio to Scott Nelson. He heard it. We, wow. we, we, presented, we presented it at the conference in Missouri, Missouri's first conference a few weeks ago. And Scott Nelson heard it. And he said he absolutely had to have a copy of it. He said, it's the, he said he has received hundreds of audio clips from people since he's been studying the Sierra sounds sure. for 15 years now. And he said, this is the first one that he's excited about. Where did, where did Missouri have a Bigfoot conference? It was in Ozark, Missouri. Oh my goodness. Just a few weeks ago. Yeah. 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 We, I mean, we were, we were down there camping for two weeks, went to this conference and then went back out to the campground where, where we camp at the 400. What's the name of it? 
the conference. Yeah. I think Ozark, Ozark Mountain Bigfoot Conference. Oh man, I I didn't even th- hear about that, and I'm I'm in Central Iowa. That's crazy. Wow, I have to remember that for future times. I'm telling you, we have got some phenomenal stuff. We've got some thermal videos of one belly crawling. Oh uh, man, we've got thermal we've got thermal thermal videos of a couple of juveniles. One I tried to I tried to go into the creek after it and. You know, it, it ducked down, and I've got all this on thermal video. We got the thermal video of Shane walking up to that little one, uh, shining the light in its face. Uh, we've got lots of foot casts. Uh, we tried to cast one of the six-inch tracks, but it just wasn't in the proper soil, so it, it didn't turn out so good. But we do have the toes and the heel and the fact that it's only six inches long. Um, so, But the, the things that are happening there is almost like – we don't think they stay there exclusively. Uh, it used to be there was like a, like a three week pattern where for two weeks they'd be on the property and then a week they'd be somewhere else. We know there's other huge 500 acre parcels right next to this property that somebody from California owns. And, you know, so it's going to be developed later, but right now it's all woods. So, so, you know, it's all woods. It's all Ozark mountain, deep hollers, high ridges, and, and we are camped. We keep our campsite between a creek and a ridge. And on the other side of the creek, there's another ridge. So we're actually between two ridges, but it's also got a creek down there. And then we've got audio of rocks being just thrown down around our campsite all night long. And you're not going to believe this. I know you haven't said much, but but I know this is a fascinating story. <laughs> I've been listen, listening. I'm, I'm gonna... just letting you go, man, because like this is this is a fascinating story. You are not going to believe this. We spent two hours cutting a trail going to a different part of this property that we call Crawler Hill. Okay. And the reason we call it Crawler Hill is Shane was hiking up there and he had a GoPro pointed behind him watching the ridge of the hill as he was walking. Well, you see his head popping up and it's just kind of staying low to the ground and following along the top of this ridge and looking over at him. So he, so we've called that place Crawler Hill because of that particular video. So we cut a trail up there. It took us two hours to cut cut trail and to get get our Polaris up there so that we could take our camping supplies. And we and we camped up there about fifty feet shy of the peak of the top of this mountain or ridge down there. It's, I mean, it's not really a mountain, but we call it a mountain. Uh, so we were like fifty feet shy of the ridge, and we were in a tent and we were camping. Well, we were getting pelted with rocks all night long. Wow! And so we're, we're listening to what's happening, and and we're laying in the tent while the rocks are being thrown. And our, we were like, it's coming from right up there. We know we gave them the high part. We gave them the high part of the ridge to have, and that's where the rocks were being thrown from because you could hear them up there. You'd hear the rocks throw, and then you'd hear them retreat back into the wood line. Uh, so the next day, Shane gets up, and he finds on the back side of that ridge where these two sets of prints had come in, and it was the two juveniles. And so we, it was the juveniles, just as it has been throughout this whole process. It's the two juveniles that do the most activity that involve us. Uh, well, here's the interesting part, and I don't think anyone has ever done this. We gathered up about 40 or 50 small rocks, took a Sharpie pen, and put marks on these rocks. Oh, nice. We went up there, and we hid them. We put them in piles, in three separate piles, where all these footprints were found inside the wood line just over the top of that ridge. And then the second night, we were pelted the rocks again. We'd get up the next day, and we start finding the rocks that we had marked and placed up there. Wow. That dude, that's so that's just, wild. 
we just proved that they're throwing rocks. Yeah, no doubt about it. So I have a, a few questions for you, Randy. Um, hmm. Have you have you heard, uh, you know, I'm thinking of the normal things that you usually ex- experience. Have you no- noticed a lot of wood knocking or uh, vocalizations oh, yeah. as well? Yes, yes. We, we, we use all kinds of recorders. I, I've got logs that I've made where we hide a parabolic and a recorder inside these logs. So when the log is laying oh. in the ground, it is just completely camouflaged. So, so these logs are what we set around to get our recordings from. We have got recordings of tree knocks. I mean, uh, I'll, I'll stay in camp and get quiet and kind of tuck myself into a hammock or something. And then my partner will get on the Polaris and take off. And then 15 minutes later, you'll hear a tree knock because he's heading on up way up to, you know, up top of the property and you hear a tree knock. And then as he returns, I'll hear another knock. So we've got a lot of audio recordings of tree knocks, rock clacking, of course, rock throwing. Oh, wow. And we also have a recording. One, you know, we do a lot of night hikes where we go out at night and try to draw attention to ourselves to sure. get, just so we can catch them on thermal. Yeah. So, while, so, so let's just say it's 2 a.m. and we're out just hiking around somewhere on the property. And I, I got a little bit of OCD issues. So when I have my campsite table set up with my cooking supplies and all of my stuff, I know exactly where everything is and, and, and everything in its place. That's just the way an OCD person is. We'll come back to camp and I'll look at the table and I'll say immediately, that box was turned over. There's a box. Oh boy. That, that was turned over. And normally I have them standing on it the inside and just pull out what silverware I want. So, so we realized that they were getting on our table at least. And we've got, a, we've got a box full of food and, and, and all that kind of stuff. So if it was a raccoon, it would certainly tear into that box of food. Uh, so something very subtly moves only one item on the table. And so uh, we started leaving the recorder there because of that. So we go out okay. hiking again. When we come back, at the very end of the, one of the tables, I have one of those uh, orange five-gallon water jugs. And on top of that water jug, I have a wet naps that you pull out a wet nap to clean your hands. Okay. Well, the, the wet naps were always on top of the water jug. Well, this time we return, and I see that those wet naps are on the table. And I said, that's different. Mm. Something messed with the wet naps and it's on the table. So we go over and look at the wet naps and one of them was pulled three quarters of the way out with smudge marks on them. Oh man. So wow. we listen to the recorder. So we listen to the recorder that we have on the table. Here's where it is fascinating. You hear something come down to the table, mess with the microphone, which is sitting at the one end of the table. You can hear it sniffing, it's sniffing the microphone. Oh man. And then what was next to the microphone was a duffel bag that I had my laptop in. You hear the zipper on that duffel bag get messed with like zip, 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 like, like 17 times. And then it moves to the next box, which is a box full of pans and cooking supplies. And you hear something rummaging through the box and, and you can hear it clank. And I said, that's one of the pans. It's in, it's in, the, pan, it's in the box with the pans because you can hear the pan clank. So it was looking through the box of pans and, and cooking supplies. And then it goes to the next box and it, it completely ignored the box of food. It, which is crazy. A lot of times food is not the attractant for these things. So baits are hard to get them to take baits because that's not, doesn't seem there's their curiosity is intelligence and curiousness, not, not so much bait anyways. So he's going on down the table and then you hear the crinkling of that wet nap bag and, and it pulled down and, and onto the table and you, all this is on recorder. And, 
And the moment you hear our Polaris coming back down the trail from uh-huh. where we went hiking, you hear an ice chest lid close and footsteps running up the ridge beside our campsite. Randy, I have to share something with you. You, what you just shared, uh, has greatly helped my Bigfoot research so far. I got to share something with you, dude. So I went on my first expedition in central Iowa, uh, this August, uh, with Tate Hieronymus and I captured audio. Uh, I had my audio recorder out overnight Mm-hmm. About 3.45 a.m. in the morning, on the recorder, I capture audio where my tent, it sounds like my tent is being unzipped. Yep. And I thought I was crazy because I've never in my three years of interviewing people ever heard that Bigfoot could use a zipper with something or unzip something and you just brought up that you've experienced them using the zipper i mean like there it is man like yep i i don't feel like i'm absolutely crazy anymore because i i've heard someone else yeah has happened to you this is this is one of the most important interviews of so far be just because of that fact thank you that's amazing well I, I'm, I'm happy to do it i've always been happy about sharing everything that that i come across and sometimes you bring them comfort if it you know if it compares with whatever they know uh you know we're in the process of filming a, our next documentary and this time it involves professional professional people not not us trying to do it very amateurs i, I do recommend that you you go look at our old or, or into the 400 thing on Amazon. Definitely. See how amateur it is, but it's going to show you the location that I'm talking about. And right now we, we are working on a documentary and that's going to involve Scott Nelson and this audio. Wow. It, it, it is an amazing, I, I can't, I got to pinch myself sometimes uh, that I've been invited to this. Uh, thank goodness. Shane saw something in me where he, 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 he thought I'm God be doing this with him and it's just me and him and, and some other professionals like Dan Nedrevo who, who's going to come in uh, occasionally with his expertise as a biologist uh, but it's just me and Shane his tracking abilities my tech gear I, I just bought a uh, $12,000 Evo thermal drone that we're going to start using oh wow and uh, and yes it, it, I think the tech will really Things are really gearing up, and I can't be more happy about what is happening. And I love sharing it with people. Uh, I mean, I can give you a lot of stories of all the things that I've done over the years, even up until I got joined up with, with uh, Shane Carpenter here. Uh, but my, you know, my first encounter it was a very it was a close up encounter of a large male and a juvenile uh, at a national park in Oklahoma, and just flipped my world upside down. And that, that's why I'm so ate up with this subject. Oh man, Randy, I, I can just, I can tell that definitely you are. And like, uh, I can, I can already tell that, you know, I would love to to have you on for another interview in the, the future. Cause I, I can tell you've got more, more stories to share. No doubt. I have a question about the, the property f- that we've been referring to. And it's just, it's wild that this, a property like this is actually, in a state that's just 
just south of where I am in Iowa. It blows my mind. But, you know, you've talked about you've had juveniles and uh, you've had, you know, uh, mother uh, Bigfoot. Have have you encountered, are there any big guys there? Like any, like, uh, well, the, you know the, what I mean? The, the footprints of the father hmm. uh, are around 16 inches. We, we think when we first started coming out there, we think it was a young family because the female's prints, apparently after three years have, have gone from 12 inches to now they're about 14 inches. So, mm. so we're assuming that she was a young mother. Maybe it was a, a young family. Maybe the male is young too, because initially when we first started, his tracks are 16. We haven't found any more of his. He seems, his primary role seems to be to patrol the border of this property. Like, like he, he kind of guards the, the line of their property. Sure. Because because the juveniles and the mothers are the only prints that we find down in the mudflats, the, the creeks and when the water retreats and, and they go in and get the, the, the shells and the mus the mussels and things like that. It, it seems to only be the, the female and the juvenile tracks found down there in the bottoms and in those flats. Uh, his seem to primarily stay up in the high ridges uh, where he might kind of walk the borderline and kind of protect the area, you know, or whatever. We, we don't know for sure. It just seems like, you know, that, that may be the, the reasons, but, uh, but who knows, but no, we have not seen him. I don't necessarily want to. Right. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> uh, after having that encounter in 2006, where the thing was about eight and a half foot tall. And I, I'll tell you that story on the, uh, if I ever come on, because it's a long story with a lot of details. Oh, no doubt. Uh, I took in a lot of details and, and he was, he was eight and a half foot tall. So I was able to measure something he was standing by. And, uh, the little one moved in behind the tailgate of my truck and ducked down. And the little one was my size. So, so the little one was every bit of size of a grown man and, and was dwarfed by the big one. So it's crazy. It's crazy. Incredible. Wow. It's definitely going to be checking out into the 400. It sounds like, you know, there'll be, there's going to definitely be follow-ups as well, for sure. That is just oh, yeah, yeah. crazy. We, we are there for the long haul at this point. Uh, and we're going to be, they, they say we're, it's going to be a docu-series. So okay. we're going to be filming into, in, into late next year. Oh, I think they've got enough for the first, for the first episode, but, but, but we're going to be filming you know, late into next year, trying to come up with some type of series. So, but you know, it, it is what it is. I, I think the place is fruitful. Uh, it, it, it's ready to give. And we've got some plans. I mean, we have got, especially with this new drone and new equipment, uh, I'm still not very good with this drone, but the thermal quality of this drone and zoom capability blows my mind. I can't wait to catch something with this thermal drone that I can zoom in on. Yeah, I've got a question for you. And and I am keeping a, an eye on the time, but I, I just had a, a random question pop into my head here. Have you guys ever experienced anything in that area not Bigfoot related, but still weird. Absolutely nothing. Really? There's no orbs. Okay. There's no orbs. No nothing. There's never. And believe me, I mean, I'm sure Shane would be open to it because we've talked about it. Hmm. Everything that we have experienced out there is is showing us that this is a physical being. And and the thing that we've captured at more than once on therm on the thermal video is how. They move like a sniper when you're facing them. Okay. And if they did that during the day, you would never see them. Uh, their ability to, we've got them moving extremely fast 
also. When we turn or when we turn towards them and the heads drop extremely fast, it's almost like it just disappears. That's how fast they can move if they want to. And, and this has all been captured on thermal video. So wow. it shows that if somebody was watching that with their own physical eyes, it would be easy to come up with it. Well, it just disappeared. Or I looked away for a second and it must've walked into that tree or whatever, you know? So, so I, I also understand what it's like to be afraid that the night I saw the two, I mean, I thought they were going to find me dead of a heart attack the next day. I mean, extremely dramatic, traumatic. Uh, and I'm a retired firefighter, you know, trained to calm down in stressful situations. But that night when that was happening, I was in my truck at the time and and they came right up to my truck. And I mean, I was in a panic mode. I mean, complete Mm. panic mode. So, so I understand how people can misinterpret factual things and how they interpret it when fear is playing a big factor of what they're watching or what they're, what they're visually seeing. Uh, so, so, you know, take that as you will and see if you know, I, I, on nothing that we have ever come across in the five years has shown anything but, but a physical being. You know, you've mentioned that definitely physical beings. Do you think we're looking at an undiscovered great ape like the, you know, NAWAC says or, or what what would you say, uh, you know, we are we're looking at here? Well, since. So- since 2006, when I had my first encounter, it, to me, it looked like an ape. It looked like a gorilla. It was scooped over like a gorilla until it got to the corner of my truck and stood up straight backbone, uh, you and I. So so my first initial impression was complete fear. And, and one of the thoughts in my head was, my God, if these things are killing people, there is nothing you could do about it. Wow. That's how big this one was. And his shoulders looked like bowling balls. I was, I, that was one of my thoughts. I'm like, like we're in trouble. We are in trouble because these things would have no problem killing a person. That, that was mm-hmm. both of the kind of thoughts that were going through my head. Uh, but in all of those years since then, I've had so many things happen, and we've had so many incredible things happen that have completely turned myself around to what these things are. I think they've evolved alongside of us. Now we know so much more than we knew even back then in 2006 about how many different hominids there were, you know, and, and were able to interbreed. I just think that, they may be, you know, when when they talk about finding Neanderthal bones, mm-hmm. they were, the bones are so thick and robust because of how much musculature and how much torque the bone needs to handle because of how much muscle were on those creatures. So you know that hair does not come down into the fossil. You know, the fossils don't pick up hair. Sure. So they may be finding bones that actually weren't all covered in hair. You know, I don't know that. But I, I do think that they... You know, clearly there are stories from pre-1900 in the 1800s. There's all kinds of stories of people calling them wild men. You know, a wild man living out on the edge of town was caught raiding my garden and things like that. And the thing is, so so they've been around all this time, you know, in, in our shadows and in our woods and on our farms and in our rural areas and, you know, raiding our, our food, food bins and, you know, horse feed and stuff like that. I just think they're intelligent. I think they're family oriented. I think they've evolved alongside of us. And I think there's just some kind of hominid, you know, maybe one of the surviving of the 12, you know, hominids that were around back, you know, 150, 200,000 years ago. Uh, it's got to be one of those other surviving, you know, lines of whatever that's stayed alongside of us. That's the only thing that makes sense to me. 
Are there, have you found specific historical reports for that area or that region that talk of these same creatures or is this a new phenomenon yeah, I mean, for this area? I mean, I, I, I go into the BFRO database and okay. I look at all the, all, all the counties around the area that we're at and there, there, there's, there are sightings throughout history. Very interesting. I want to point out there's some there's a real interesting back uh, comment chatter going on during this interview, uh, where it's it's actually pretty cool how you know uh, Michael Freeman is in there and he's actually like you know saying hey this guy's story this guy's story like you know it checks out because I have I have similar things uh, that have happened uh, in my area of uh, Washington State as well so I mean there you go it's uh, it's so pretty Michael cool Freeman is Paul Freeman's son yeah exactly uh, well you know of course I read all of Vance Orchard's books you know his two books and I actually spent a lot of time up in the Blue Mountains I would drive from Kansas all the way up there and spend two or three weeks Holy and I would macro. visit all the areas. I would visit all the areas that were written in the books. They didn't hide in any areas, you know, the Educk Pond, Black yep. Snake Ridge, all of those places that have, have stories about them in those books. And one night I left my thermal camera hidden watching the Educk Pond. And I went up driving my truck. It's probably 2 a.m. up on Black Snake Ridge, which has another great story from Paul Freeman and West Summerlin. And so I'm up on Black Snake Ridge, and I'm very tired at that point. And I had hit a bug on my windshield uh, right in front of the steering wheel, a big bug that left a huge splat. And I didn't want to smear it with my windshield wiper, so I just kind of looked around it as I was driving. But I, So it was very fresh. And uh, so I pulled off into the woods and went to sleep. And I woke up like four hours later with the sunlight shining through my windshield, and I'm laying there in my front seat. And I'm looking through the windshield, and I immediately see that there are hairs stuck in those bug guts. Wow. Smashed on my windshield the night before. So I get out on my truck and I've got the picture. I could actually send it to you where you can, where you can blow it up and look at it. And you're going to see a long eight inch hair. It's stuck in these bug guts. But if you zoom it up and look at, you're going to find small hairs smashed into the bug guts, which means something leaned against my windshield to look at me sleeping there. That's wild, Randy. Holy mackerel. Oof, what, yeah. so I've, had, I've had some mm. good times. I've, I've gone to Northern California. I've gone to Oregon, Washington. I got bluff charged up by Mount St. Helens that I recorded, and it was fantastic. Oh, you recorded what? The audio or video? Of, of a bluff charge, uh, uh, an audio recording. I really? Recorder on my, yeah, it was, it's fast. you're going to hear him snapping branches oh, off the tree trunk. I, it wasn't bending and breaking. It was popping. He was he was stripping branches off the tree, pacing back and forth, and then he come running out along. And I, I think he came running towards my truck, but I recorded the whole thing with a reporter sitting on top of my truck. Can you hear that anywhere? Uh, yeah, I've got it on uh, uh, Dropbox. I can send it to you uh, on Messenger if we're. Friends. Oh yeah, thanks. That would be. I would love to hear that, dude. That's that's awesome, Randy. I I. We are at the end of our program, but holy mackerel, you're, I would love to invite you to come back on the podcast and we'll, we'll talk, um, you know, in messenger to try to set something up, but dude, like, I love the stories you got. This is amazing. Everyone needs to check out, uh, into the 400. I know I will be, uh, this is great, dude. 
Well, I'd love to tell you about my encounter at the Chickasaw Park, which started my whole fascination with this subject. And there's so many details that people will, they'll be like, wow, never really heard of those kind of details. But I'm telling you right now, one of them had a stick in its possession because of what it was doing. But I'll, I'll save that. Holy point. mackerel. Randy, before I, I let you go, uh, can you take a few minutes to remind people that are listening, you know, um, uh, who it is that you are and um, how they can follow uh, what it is that you've done and, and what it is that you're doing best. Well, my name is Randy Harrington. Uh, I'm on Facebook as Harrington Randy J. And uh, I've been involved with Bigfoot ever since my encounter in 2006. Uh, I'm, I'm mainly involved with Shane Carpenter, the Ozark Mountain Bigfoot. You can look him up. He's on, he's on YouTube. I'm on YouTube. And, uh, he's got a website, Ozark Mountain Bigfoot. Uh, there's a man named Gary Shooty who has a, it's called, uh, uh, Missouri Bigfoot or <laughs> I can't even remember, but he's got all of the websites and, and YouTube channels and, and, you know, the one-stop shop. Sure. I mean, you can find it there. Uh, we're working on this documentary and we wouldn't be working on this documentary if we didn't have something that people wanted to see. And awesome. I'm completely excited about people seeing what, what's happened there. Perfect. And people right after this, if they want to, can go over to Amazon and search for Into the 400 to watch that uh, that documentary that you were talking about earlier, correct? Yes. I mean, it, when this documentary comes out that we're going to be a part of this docu-series, I mean, you're going to want to know kind of what started it. And awesome. That yep. would be the documentary. Perfect. Oh, Randy. Yeah, definitely going to be having you back on, but thanks so much for calling in. This has been an awesome chat tonight. Thank you, sir. Well, thank Mike, because I wouldn't have known about it if Mike Casey wouldn't. Have Gotta love that. Mike Casey. Thank you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> See you, Randy. All right. Bye, buddy. Well, guys, it is 10 o'clock Central Standard Time. Uh, thanks so much for hanging out. Uh, thanks to Mike uh, for uh, hooking up a great caller to call in, uh, Randy Harrington, and uh, definitely going to be talking to him more in the future. Uh, man, Randy's got some stories, but uh, yeah, uh, I will be seeing you all next time. Uh, this coming Tuesday at 9 p.m. Central and then Thursday at 9 p.m. Central to 10 p.m. Central. So I do this Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday night, 9 to 10 p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, be thinking if you've got a person that you want to um, call in, you can have them call 515-809-0165, share their story. It can be Bigfoot, doesn't have to be Bigfoot, it can be anything weird. Um, yeah, as Jonathan said in the chat, yeah, I'm trying to pretty much do, uh, a Bigfoot society version of, uh, coast to coast AM, put my own little spin on it, but thanks again, all, uh, we had so many great people in the chat. We had Michael Freeman hanging out, Mike Casey, Jonathan from Western Bigfoot exploration. Check these guys out. They have a great, great stuff. But uh, Mike, have a safe trip out to the blues, my friend. Get on the road. It's time to go. Uh, but I will talk to you all next time. Oh, and subscribe to this channel if you're not already. Share it with your friends. Have a good one, all. The 
views and opinions expressed are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Bigfoot Society. Any content provided by our guests are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, 